Ridge way and, and kind of like, wow, Christmas is kind of crazy for you guys. Uh, but we have a lot of fun. And we want you to know, seriously, though, that thank you for taking just a little bit of your Christmas season to spend it with us. Uh, because we know that time is unbelievably valuable and precious to you. And so we honestly, when we say we're thankful and grateful that you gave us just a small part of it, uh, we want to say thank you for that. Honestly, tonight, I hope and we hope that this is a time where you can pause and you can really reflect and you can really focus on what the reason for this season is. Because I don't know about you, but in Christmas, I'm the same as all of you, running around like crazy most of the time. And so this is an opportunity for us to pause. And I pray that you'll be encouraged, that you're going to be challenged and even moved by Jesus tonight. In fact, let me just tell you this. This is cool. I mentioned it to the, the volunteers as we were kind of getting ready and praying the, um, uh, just a little while ago. Uh, but on our way to school this morning, I, I was taking my son Jackson. He's my oldest. He's 11. And, uh, and we, we pray uh, every morning on the way to school. And, and uh, this morning, uh, I, di- I prayed yesterday, and so it was his morning to pray. We go back and forth. And so it was his morning, so I said, hey, it's your turn to pray. And he's like, okay, Dad. And he just starts praying, like, you, you know, and he just jumps in. And, and he prayed for probably about a minute uh, on the way to school. And the, the, the trip to school is like two minutes. <laughs> um, and he prayed, but half of his prayer, I didn't say anything to him. Half of his prayer was for you guys tonight. Yeah, he prayed for the Christmas services, for you guys. He said he just prayed that they'd go well and that, that everything is supposed to happen, that they would be the best services for him and for God. And I mean, he prayed for that. So I want you to know that we've been praying for you. My son has already been praying for you this morning. And I'm hoping that you do not walk out of here the same. Because if you did, if you do, I don't know that you fully have touched the hem, the power, the love of Jesus, because it will change you. And so that's what we're going to get into tonight. Um, So as you know, before we kind of get deep into this message, I want to take care of a logistical thing. And that is at our Christmas services, we always end with silent night and, and candlelight. That's why you have candles, right? And so you guys, most of you know that. A lot of you wouldn't know that, though, because this is your first time at Northridge. And so uh, we end in candlelight, singing Silent Night. So we're going to do that. But right after the message, we're going to have a special song. And then right after the special song, we're going to go right into Silent Night. And we're going to start lighting the candles. And so it's going to be kind of seamless. I'm not going to get up and kind of give instructions and all stuff. We're just going to flow right through that. And so I just want to give you a couple of reminders. First of all, if you have kids, keep an eye out on them. <laughs> These are candles, <laughs> real ones, right? And so just kind of keep an eye on them. Uh, the second thing is when you're lighting your candle, and this seems silly, but make sure that you tip your candle when you're being, getting it lit, okay? Once it's lit, don't tip it anymore, <laughs> Uh, the, the wax, seriously, we don't want anybody to get burned and wax dripping on you or the, or the carpet or anything like that. And so just kind of watch that. And then the last thing I'll say is there's a lot of hair up in this place, not on my head, but on uh, everywhere else. And there's a lot of hairspray up in this place. So just keep the candle closer to you and away from here, all right? So let's just be safe and have a great experience, all right? Um, so we're going to look forward to, we'll go right into that after a special song after the end of the message and then Silent Night, we'll sing together. And I'm looking forward to that. So we have, um, uh, Laura and I, we, 
we probably do something that you guys do similar, and that is, uh, as a family, we're always trying, Laura and I are always trying to talk and trying to figure out what is an activity, what is something fun that our whole family can do together, that like, not that we can just do together, but that all five of us, because I have three kids, so it's Laura and I and three kids, all five of us are actually going to be engaged, and we're actually going to enjoy it, we're actually going to be able to do it. Now, we have a five and a nine and 11-year-old. Two boys, one girl. So as you can imagine, it's a bit of a challenge to have something that everybody can do and everybody's excited about, right? Because the 11-year-old, if we do something closer to the five, Jackson's kind of like, do we have to? You know, that kind of a thing. And if we do stuff more like the 11-year-old, Tanner can't do it, right? And so it's, it's a challenge. So a couple of winters ago, we thought, you know, this, would be, this is a really cool idea. Let's get a puzzle. And, and throughout the winter season, because it's Wisconsin, right? And so we don't even see other people at all. It's kind of like the summer comes out, we're like, neighbors, we do live with people. It's awesome. But in the winter, it's kind of like we're hermits, right? And so we're like, let, let's, let's get a puzzle and let's lay it out. And then throughout the winter, we'll work on this as a family. This is a great idea, right? It's a great idea. It's an idea, anyway. And so, so we got this puzzle, okay? And, and let me just show you. This is the puzzle. I think I, I took a picture of it, and you can kind of see a picture of it. This is the puzzle. It's one of those Ravensburger puzzles, right? And they're really well made. But the problem is you can see how many pieces are in this puzzle, right? Now, that gets me excited because I like challenges. My kids, not so much. Like, it's really cool to think about it, right? This, no, I, I did this so you kind of have the scale. Look at how small those pieces are. They're... Like, they're smaller than a quarter, okay? And so we tried to do this with our kids. And you know what happened? The first night, it was like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. It was awesome. We had so much fun. The second night, we're like, yeah, we should work on the puzzle, but it's almost bedtime. So we spent like five or 10 minutes. That was it for the winter. We're done. No, seriously. For the next, like, umpteen bazillion weeks, Laura was just annoyed and was like, we should just put the puzzle away. And I'm like, no, we're going to do it right? And it was just like, but it was, it was too big. It was too complex. It was just too much for us. We didn't, we didn't, we just couldn't get it done. And we still haven't gotten it done. It has stayed in the box tents. Someday we'll do it. And that's why we still have it. But we're, but it just didn't get done. But one, a couple of things that we know are keys to a puzzle. First is you need to have all the pieces, right? Not, we couldn't get this done, even though we had all the pieces, all the stuff. But, but one thing that's absolutely critical is that you have to have all the pieces of the puzzle. The second thing is you need to know what the puzzle is, right? You need to know what the picture is. If we tried to build this with no picture at all, it would have been, I mean, we still didn't even come close, but it, it's not, it's going to be hopeless, right? Well, I have red and blues and greens and yellows. I don't even know what this is, right? And so you need to know what the puzzle is. And you need to have all the pieces, well, I bring that up because we have been building this puzzle over here for the last several weeks, as many of you know, and, and we've been using one word to describe each of the times, each of the parts of the Christmas puzzle that God has been putting together. And, and we've talked about how Jesus was unexpected. That was our first word in our first puzzle piece. And then we talked about how when God comes in, he, he really brings uncertainty into your life. You don't know where, maybe where he's going to lead you or what he's going to call you to do. And sometimes it's going to be scary. And then last week, we talked about how Jesus, if we were going to be really honest, when God wants to dig into our life and change something about who we are or how we operate, let's be honest. Some of us were like, yeah, that's unwelcome. We don't want anything to do with that. And so we kind of push back, and he's unwelcome in our life. And then tonight, we're going to complete the puzzle. As you can see, we have all four pieces in there. And as I showed, uh, told you guys, we're going to reveal something on this puzzle tonight. 
Okay, there's a reason we've been building this puzzle. There's a reason for it. And we'll get to that in a minute, in a few minutes. But tonight we're going to talk about making the unknown known. And so in order to do that, we need to dig into the Christmas story. And uh, so I'm going to read the passage out of Luke chapter 2. It's probably the most famous part of the Christmas story. It's not the whole Christmas story that God tells, but it's a good portion of it. So I'm going to read it. It's a longer passage. It'll be on the screen, so just follow along. And, uh, and then we're going to kind of look into it a little bit deeper and talk about what God is trying to do with this puzzle of Christmas that he's been building. All right, so Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. He's just setting the historical context so we know what's going on and when this happened. All people returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem, Bethlehem, if, I was, if we were doing kid version. I love that, by the way. In Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So as I just read, and as we've been talking about these last few weeks, God has been moving and orchestrating people all over the planet to come together for this one thing to happen, for Jesus to the Son of God to be born as a baby right? He's been moving all these puzzle pieces around. And just think about all the things that God has done, right? He, he came to Mary first through the angel and he said, Mary, guess what? I know you were doing laundry, apparently, according to the kids, but, but I need you to stop because I need you to hear something. You're going to have a baby. And she's like, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a virgin. There's a problem with that. It doesn't work that way, God. And God says, don't worry. It's all going to work out. You're going to have a boy, and you're going to name him Jesus. And by the way, he's the savior of the world. Changed her life pretty dramatically in an instant. And, but then he doesn't tell Joseph. Can you imagine those weeks in between <laughs> when Joseph didn't hear from God, right? And Mary has to go to Joseph and say, Joseph, guess what? So you need to sit down, <laughs> and I have something to tell you. And it's going to be hard to believe. And, and I'm sure Joseph, in fact, we know Joseph thought about breaking up with her. It says that in God's word. It says that in the Bible, that Joseph was, had in mind to, to break up with her quietly to, so not to disgrace her. But he doesn't because the, the Lord sends an angel to Joseph and says, hey, Joseph, you need to marry Mary. It's all good. Yes, it's the Savior. She's telling the truth. Oh, well, that would have been good to know like a few weeks ago, <laughs> right? But God does his, what he does and why he does it and all that stuff. 
And then they, they have to, you know, God kind of brings in the Roman authorities, right? He gets the Roman Empire involved in this, right? I mean, he gets the Roman Empire and, and he says, hey, we're going we're gonna to count all the people. We're going to do a census. And so, okay, fantastic. So Joseph and Mary, because of the census, because God told the Roman Empire, emperor that we're going to do a census, now Joseph and Mary have to travel 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem while she's eight to nine months pregnant. And on top of that, when she gets to Bethlehem, right? When she gets there, there's no room for them. And so they get to stay where the angel, or where the, not where the angels are, <laughs> they were there, but where the animals were, where the animals sleep in that room or in that barn or that stable, that's where they, that's where they actually had baby Jesus. Now, I just want to pause for a minute. And if you have ever wondered, like, God, what are you doing? And it doesn't make any sense. Welcome to how God works. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Joseph and Mary, especially Mary to Joseph, by the way, we know how this goes, right? Mary's frustrations went to Joseph, right? And Joseph, I don't know where his went, but either way, maybe to the donkey, right? But, but Mary's like, yeah, I mean, God wants us to go from Nazareth 90 miles walking to Bethlehem while I'm nine months pregnant? That's good timing, God. Like three months ago would have been really good. Like six months, I was good. Like I was, I was all good. Now, like I have to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes. Like this is, this is just not good. Pull the donkey over, let, I gotta go again, right? And, and I mean, yeah, just imagine that. And then on top of that, they get to Bethlehem and there's like this massive convention or something going on. There's no room, Right? There's no room for them. And so they get to have baby Jesus in, in, in a bunch of hay with some animals around there, right? With sheep and donkeys or whatever else watching. And I'm sure they're probably thinking, God, this is how you planned this? I don't know, but you might want to get a different planner, right? I mean, I'm sure that they were thinking this. And so this is, but this is God orchestrating this whole thing. And then he announces it to shepherds and he puts a star in the sky for the wise men who come from hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. So he's orchestrating this whole puzzle. But I want to answer a question today. And it's a question that maybe you've thought about, maybe you've asked, maybe you haven't. But regardless of whether you've asked it and regardless of whether you want the answer, I'm going to ask it and you're going to get the answer tonight. And the answer and the question is, that really the question is, why a baby? Have you ever thought about that? I know we say Jesus is the reason for the season and we have all these fun phrases and it's like Merry Christmas and all that stuff. And, and we know, okay, it's about baby Jesus being born, right? It's his birthday. That's what we say to our kids. It's Jesus's birthday. We're celebrating Jesus's birthday. It's when he was born. But why did God choose a baby? Why did he do it that way? For example, he could have sent Jesus any way he wanted to, right? He's God. Can we agree on that? That God could have done whatever he wanted. If he wanted to send Jesus like out of the clouds with thousands of angels, right? And they're like shouting and singing and playing drums or electric guitar or whatever they're doing, right? And Jesus comes riding in on clouds and he's like, here's my son. He's going to save the world. Everybody cheer. Woo! He could have done that. Or he could have sent chariots in, or he could have, you know what he could have done? I know it's like 2,000 years ahead of the of schedule, but he could have sent Jesus in like a Corvette, like a convertible Corvette. <laughs> he could have done that, right? I know it was 2,000 years ago, but 
Can God make a car? Sure, he could. If he so he could have Jesus kind of roll up and be like, check out the horses under this baby, right? He could have sent Jesus that way. He could have sent him however he wanted in singing and glory and lights and just everything. And the whole world knows it in an instant because of how God chose to do it. He could have done that, but he didn't. He chose to send Jesus to our planet just like we arrive through birth as a little baby so that he would have to grow up and do all the stuff. So the question I have for you is, why a baby? Well, the answer to that question is one word, and that word is love. God loves you, and God loves me, and that's why he chose a baby. Now, it may not make sense just yet, but we're gonna get there. He chose to send Jesus as a baby because he loves you, more than you probably understand. And the reason was because he wanted Jesus, he wanted himself, God himself wanted to go through what we go through in life. He wanted to experience everything that we've experienced. He wanted us to, to understand and make known what was unknown, right? Because there, let's be honest, there is a huge difference between knowing about somebody or someone or something and knowing them. Am I right? For example, I can learn all, you, all I want. I could, in fact, I don't have to learn. I could teach you because I used to be a history teacher. I'm not going to do that to you guys on Christmas, all right? Don't worry. But I could teach all you want about George Washington, the first president of the United States. I could teach everything we could find about him, everything that he wrote, everything that you can read, everything that we've studied, everything that we know about George Washington, our first president. I could tell you all about him, but can I tell you what he was like before he'd go to bed or what jammies he liked to wear or what he really, his favorite dinner to eat? Can I tell you those things? You know what? I can't. You know why? Because I didn't know him. I didn't know him. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, a few weeks ago, Laura and I and the kids, we went to lunch with another family. And we did the typical, like, the ladies sat out on this end of the table, and then uh, me and the other husband, we, we sat in this part of the table so we could talk. And then the kids were over there doing whatever they did. Probably should have been watched a little bit carefully, but, you know, whatever. They're doing their thing. And so we're all having our conversations, and, and me and this other guy, we started talking about the mountains. And for those of you that know me, this is like as good as it gets because the mountains, like climbing, hiking, backpacking in the mountains, camping in the, back, in, in the mountains, that's my favorite thing in life. And so we start talking and I start telling this story about when I backpacked through this section of the Rocky Mountains and he right away, he's like, he jumped in and said, hey, I backpacked through th that part of the mountains too. And he said, did you go by these, you know, the Twin Lakes? And he started throwing out things. I'm like, yeah, I know exactly. What, I know what that looks like. Like I can see it in my mind. That is awesome. And I did this and you're, oh yeah, we didn't go that way, but we went over this way and went around there. Oh yeah, that valley is awesome. And I love how the mountain comes up. And we got all nerdy and geeky, you know, and all, let's be honest, maybe I just got nerdy and geeky. He was probably normal excited, but we just started talking excitedly and he even got out his phone and we pulled up geo or Google maps and like the satellite version. So you can see the lay of the land. He's like, this is where we went. And I was like, this is where I went. And we were just in our own little world. The wives at one point made a joke about how in like out of touch and out of tune we were with whatever was else. It was, and she's, they were right. I mean, like, 
the roof could have been falling in and we didn't know because we were just having a blast. But my, my, my question is why? Why did we click in that moment? Why was everything just, everything was gone and we were just locked in? The reason is because he didn't know about the mountains. I didn't know about those mountains. We knew the mountains because we'd been there. I've touched the water in those lakes and how icy cold they were. I remember, I can see exactly where I was when I was in those mountains. I knew exactly what he was talking about. We could have called out certain like cliffs and rocks and we would have known because we had gone through it. So here's my point tonight. God sent Jesus as a baby for a very specific reason. He wanted to go through what you go through so that you can trust and you can understand that you can not only know about God. Because here's what a lot of people think about God. A lot of people think about God and about Jesus that he's somebody just to believe in, that this is a religion. Let me just tell you, if you've called Christianity your religion, I know that it's listed like that in the textbooks. I know the professors would tell you that. I know people on TV would say it's a religion. Let me just tell you, it is not. Because what a religion is, is a set of rules that you have to follow in order to get in good with God. That is not what Christianity is. Do you hear me? I will stomp that to the ground until I'm dead. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. It's one that God has offered to you through a baby who grew up understanding what you have gone through and says, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give my life for you. And now this gives you the opportunity to have a relationship with God. And that's what he longs for for you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. Some of us in here, we believe God is somebody to believe in, somebody to think about, somebody to hope for. And God says, no. God says, I am somebody to know. Not know about, but to know. And in Jesus, you have a Savior, you have a Messiah who understands what it's like to disappoint people. You have a Savior who understands what it looks like and what it feels like when other people are disappointed in him. In fact, Jesus knew that a lot. People were disappointed in him all the time. Not because he wasn't good, but because they were off. Jesus knows grief. Some of you have lost loved ones, and you're not sure if God understands. Let me tell you that Jesus understands fully. He lost friends. He lost family that were near and dear and close to him. Broke his heart. He wept bitterly more than once in the Bible is recorded. Jesus knows betrayal. Some of you were bullied. Maybe some of you are still bullied, even as adults at work. Some of you have been betrayed by people closest to you. Jesus understands that. He was betrayed by strangers. He was betrayed by the people closest to him. Remember the 12 disciples? You guys know the story of Judas, right? Judas, one of the people that he sacrificed and gave everything for, betrayed him for money just to make a few dollars. Judas betrayed Jesus. Jesus understood that and the hurt that that must have caused in his soul when he was betrayed. Jesus knows unimaginable pain. By the way, 
One of the things that I think that we don't think God understands is how busy we are. God, but you don't understand. I'm busy. Just read the Bible for a little bit. Promise you. Look at what Jesus does and what he accomplishes and how tired he gets. And I promise you he knows. <laughs> Let me give you one example. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? When he feeds the 5,000 people with the, the few loaves of bread and the two fish? Did you know when that happens? We know the story, like he multiplies this food and miraculously feeds all these people, but we don't understand what would happen just before that. Just before that, Jesus has found out that his very cousin, one that he loves dearly, John, was murdered. Just before that story. He finds out, it's all, this is all in the Bible, I'm not making this stuff up, read it. He finds out that John the Baptist, his cousin, has just been murdered. And, and so he's grief-stricken and he's exhausted. And it says in God's word that they jumped into a boat with the disciples and that all they wanted to do was get across the lake to escape people. They just needed to get away because he needed a good cry. Really. God, Jesus just needed some time. And so they got in to go across the lake, but you know what everybody did? <laughs> hey, Jesus is going across the lake. Let's go. And they raced around the lake. And you know what happened when they got there to escape all the people because they're exhausted and he's grief stricken and he just needs a good cry. You know what happened? Thousands of people end up on the shore when they get out of the boat and they're like, Jesus, we need you. <laughs> and you know what Jesus did? The only thing Jesus could do, he had compassion on them and he teaches them for the whole day. And at the end of the day, he feeds them 5,000 people. And so Jesus understands in fact, let me go back to the Christmas story. Remember I told you Mary finds out that she's going to have a baby boy named Jesus and then Joseph finds out later. Well, when Joseph is learning from the angel that he's supposed to marry Mary, they're going to raise the son of God, listen to what the angel tells him about what Jesus is going to be called. Matthew 1.23. The angel says, She will, talking about Mary, give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. How many of you have heard the name Emmanuel? A lot of us have. Which means God is with us. I want us to understand that, that God with us is what it talks about. So Jim and Jen, you guys can come up there and start working on that puzzle for a minute. I want us to understand why Emmanuel is what it is. Because God did not want you guys to believe in God and just think about God and know about God. He wants you to know him. And the whole point of the puzzle, the whole point that God is making with Jesus is what this puzzle shows. He's been building this puzzle. He's been doing this puzzle. We've been building this puzzle. But this is the whole point of why God sent Jesus as a baby. And it was this. was so that he could grow up and so that he could take your place on the cross. One thing that we sometimes don't understand is that you and I are the ones that are supposed to be hanging on the cross. We're the ones that are supposed to be crucified because of our sin. The Bible's very clear. We all have sinned, so all of you have it, every one of you in here. Me too. We all have sin. We all fall short of God's glory. And so we, the Bible says the penalty for sin is death, eternal death. Like when you die on this earth, then you have eternity after that. 
Some of you may don't, maybe don't believe in that, but we have a soul. That's why when you see somebody's body, it doesn't look like them. It's because they're not in there. It's because our bodies are simply a shell. Like a snail or something else uses a shell to, you know, to survive. We have a body to survive, but it's not us. Who we are is our soul. And we're supposed to go on the cross, but Jesus said no. God said no. I want to send Jesus as a baby so that he understands fully what it means to live this life and the struggles and the joy and the sorrow. But then, the ultimate reason of why he came was so that he would take your place on the cross. And we talk a lot at Christmas about presents, right? And uh, clearly you know I didn't wrap this. (laughs) Why? Because it looks nice. (laughs) But we talk a lot about gifts at, at Christmas. And how I want to just kind of wrap this up is I want us to understand that God has given every single one of you a gift. Every one of you. From the youngest, even the ones who are unborn in here. And there are a few of them. God has already given them a gift, all of you a gift. And it is Jesus. It is salvation because of his sacrifice on the cross. He has already wrapped it. It's already done. It's already been taken care of. That's why when Jesus is on the cross, he says, it is finished. The reason he said it's finished is because there's nothing else required except for you to take the present. Just like any present, if, if this present is handed to me, but I don't receive it, if, I, if you hand it and I just go, thanks, and walk away, that present doesn't get to me does it? That gift of salvation is not mine because I never received it. I never accepted it. A lot of people think that they're good people and that they're going to get in good with God because they're good. God says no. God himself is the one that says no. You don't make it that way. The only way you can make it to God and have a relationship with him is to receive the present that God has presented to you. You know how you sacrifice for a gift? You sacrifice money, you sacrifice time, you sacrifice, if I'm wrapping it, you sacrifice a lot of your life trying to get that thing done. (laughs) It's like, oh, I cut it too short again. Ah." Third time is going to be it, right? We we sacrifice for a gift. Well, you know what the the sacrifice was, was necessary for the gift of salvation? It was Jesus dying. You know why? Because forgiveness is such a high value. Somebody had to die. And God loves you so much, he didn't want you to have to do it. And so he died for you. He understands what you're going through. And then he died for you. But now the key is, the question for you is, Have you received, have you accepted the gift that God has given? Because if you haven't, then you're just sitting in church and it it, it does you no good. God does not say, Jesus does not say, the only way and the only truth and the only way to life is to sit in church most Sundays throughout the year. He does not say that. It does not say the way, the truth, and the life is to be really good most of the time. 
It does not say that. It says the only way, the only truth, the only way to life, the only way to relationship with God is through Jesus and this gift of salvation that he has offered. It is offered freely. There are no strings attached. All you have to do is receive it. Some of you in here have received it. You believe in Jesus. You know he died on the cross for you. You know he rose from the grave. Some of you in here, if you're being honest, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never accepted the gift. It's been sitting on the shelf for you because God gave it to everybody, everybody on this planet, everybody. But some, so many, leave the present on the shelf. They reject it. They don't want anything to do with it. Some don't even believe it's there. So my question for you is, will you accept the gift of salvation, of eternity with God that he has offered to you this Christmas? It's the whole reason he sent Jesus as a baby to give us salvation. If you're here and you feel hopeless, if you're here and you feel exhausted from life, if you're here and you, your marriage is kind of on the rocks, if you're here and your kids don't want anything to do with you, if you're here and somebody betrayed you or you just, you're lost or life is not going like you want it to or you're worried, you're scared, you're angry, let me tell you that Jesus offers you hope and he says, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. He offers you joy, unspeakable joy. You know that joy that we just sang about? He offers you joy, unimaginable joy. But you first need to believe in Jesus. Believe that he died on the cross for you and you need to commit your life to him. Receive the gift. If you're here, and it requires boldness on your part. If you're here and you aren't sure where your eternity is, then I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. It has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with Northridge, has nothing to do with that we have a cross on the puzzle, has nothing to do with that it's Christmas Eve services. It has everything to do with the fact that whether or not you've accepted the gift and whether or not you need to. So I'm going to pray in just a moment. And then we're going to go into a song. And over these next few minutes as we wrap up our service, I just want you to honestly think, have you given your life to Christ? If you haven't, I just encourage you, if God is tugging on your heart tonight, don't walk out the doors without turning your life over to him without receiving the present that's there. Don't leave it on the shelf. So I'll pray. And then we're going to sing. We're going to listen to a song that's going to be sung kind of like a special song. And it's going to take us through the journey of Jesus from baby to growing up to all the way you'll see in the end of the video with the song, The Cross. And how Jesus came as a baby to understand us and then gave his life for us. And you'll see how that song progresses. But it talks in here about how he, there's a distance. He will always go the distance for you. So if you want to accept Jesus, 
I encourage you to do so. Let me pray for you. And then we'll go right into the song. But everybody just bow your heads. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for sacrificing so much for us. I thank you for coming to earth as a baby and being willing to go through this life and understand and go through everything that that we have to experience in this life as well. So you totally understand who we are and what we're going through. But for anybody in here, and I realize that there's, there's probably a few in here who are wrestling with whether or not they really want to do this. They're not sure if it's real. Maybe they're scared to do it. Maybe there's an unknown factor to it. And they're just like, I, I don't know. This is a big deal. And I, I, just, I just don't know if, they, if I should do this. But they know that you're tugging on their heart. But for anybody here who's ready, who's never accepted that gift, that you've offered to them. I know that there's some in here. I pray that you just help them to pray this prayer. Those of you in the room, if you want to pray this out loud, that's fine. If you want to just pray this quietly in your heart, in your head, that's fine. There's nothing magic about these words. I pray that you would just say, Jesus, I give you my life today. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my sins away. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the grave for me. Today, I want to be a follower of you, Jesus. I give my life to you today. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. For any of us in here who maybe we've just realized we've walked away from God. Most of our days, we're really not with you, Jesus. I pray that you would just help them to realize that they can walk right back into your arms. You haven't left. You're there. The gift is still there. It's still there. Your arms are wide open for them. They can always return to you. Anyone who's broken, you can fix. Anyone who's hopeless, you can give them hope. I pray that we would turn to you, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior the one who sacrificed everything for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you chose...